Hello, and welcome to the Kick Aspirational Podcast. My name is David Vanderveen. I've been fortunate enough to build businesses around the world with thousands of entrepreneurs. You can find out more about me at davidvanderveen.com. But, you know, as I've traveled the world and, and had these opportunities to meet and work and, and alongside a lot of very interesting people, the question that I keep getting is, how can I create the life that I want? How can I create the brand, the behaviors, the, the culture that motivate and drive me? And so this podcast is dedicated to those questions. It's interviewing other people who are on that journey, as well as telling some of my own stories that I hope will help anyone who's wanted to start their own company, create their own brand, build their own life, figure out how to do it for themselves. The simple answer is there are no simple answers, but I think that if we work together and if we interact and if we workshop, we can figure out great ways to move forward in life and create a life worth living, a life with purpose and meaning, a life that makes us all a little bit more kick aspirational. Welcome to the Kick Aspirational Podcast. I'm here today with Luke McCarthy. Luke and I uh, met recently at an HPLT event in Denver, High Performance Leadership Training. Luke, welcome to the Kick Aspirational Podcast. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Um, you know, the funny thing about HPLT, at least for me, is I didn't really know anybody besides Layla um, Gori, who in- invited me there, who was our, our CMO at, at Nirvana. Um, I think maybe one of the most interesting, you know, and when you go to HPLT sleeps, when I went, you know, it's just a bunch of people you've never met. So you get to meet a lot of new people. Yep. Um, what was your journey to get to HPLT and why did you go? What was your, what was the attraction? Yeah. Um, well, thanks again for having me on. It's great to, you know, reconnect virtually here. And it was great to meet in Denver. Um, my journey to HPLT was, um, I was sort of tangentially connected to the community through a friend of mine who was who was out in Denver named Todd Cuchia. He and Brian, who um, is kind of the arc, Brian Mazza, who's kind of the right. architect behind HPLT, go way back. And um, it must have been 2017 or 2018, Todd and I were talking about the events. You know, we had witnessed Brian do one somewhere, and he was reenacting a Navy SEAL um a workout on the beach and Todd said to me, did you see the maniacs that Brian has out on the beach? And I was like, yeah, I kind of saw it on Instagram or whatever. And Todd said, you know, we'll go, we'll go to one of those one day and we'll be the least fit guys and we'll work out with our shirts <laughs> off and, you know, everyone will make fun of us. And I said, you know, fine, I'm in. And uh, <laughs> exactly. I just, I, I had, you know, followed Brian and, and his pursuits to scale the brand and the offering um, since then and had been always been really intrigued by wanting to do it, um, A, for the physical challenge, um, but B, it was just evident to me that it always attracted um, a really, you know, solid community of like-minded uh, individuals. Right. So between the time I was introduced to it on social and otherwise, um, you know, through Todd and some other friends that are involved a little bit more actively in, in helping Brian get these things together, whether it's through the branding or partnerships he has with, with brands. Um, I got to know more people and learn more about it. And, you know, there's always a reason not to do these things. There's always a reason not to get on a plane to Denver from New York uh, and leave your family for three days and kind of go off the grid. Uh, but when, you know, I just said, screw it. You know, like when he announced Denver, I was like, if I, if I keep waiting for the perfect time to do it, it'll never come. Uh, and I was, you know, couldn't have been happier that I made the decision to go out there. It was a super gratifying experience. And how old are you, Luke? I'm 36. You're 36. And you've got how many kids? Three. 
you've got three kids. You live in you live on Long Island, is that right? Long Island, in, yeah. in New York. Yep. And did you meet Brian through like a New York community through you said through through Todd Cuchilla? What, yeah. what was the connection to Brian? Yeah, Todd? I, I I um I met Brian formally through Todd. Yeah. Um, but I had, you know, followed Brian and his, uh, I think, I think I really had, had, uh, sort of come across his content in COVID. Um, okay. Cause during the shutdown, you know, people kind of went one of two ways. They either sat on their couch, um, and drank and snacked too much or, <laughs> you know, they became obsessive about hobbies that they wished they had more time right. for right. in the previous version of our lives that were dominated by, you know, professional and social commitments that were no longer on offer. Um, Brian really just kind of turned his driveway and his garage into a CrossFit gym and documented it, you know, as he, as he does so well with, with so much of, of what he has going on. Um, and he was, what was he doing before? He was, Brian had like a restaurant, right? Or a series of yeah, restaurants. Yeah, he was, um, he was in the restaurant business. Yeah. Right. Um, there was a couple, you know, popular bars in, in the city that, um, he was involved in before, you know, he kind of, as I understand it, made, uh, what he does for a living now, um, you know, his lifestyle. Got it. Um, so I, I, you know, sort of had become introduced to Brian virtually through, you know, the great content he was putting out there and then had realized that he and Todd had gone way back. So I, I had formally met, met Brian through Todd and Brian had done a couple sort of mini events in the area. You know, we did like a 10 K run up in Westchester that I had joined for. So, um, you know, it kind of gave me a little bit of, of a flavor for the HPLT community through small events like that. Um, and yeah, that was, that was kind of my, my foray into, uh, into the group of psychos that go out and do stuff like that. That's amazing. And tell us, so in your work, you, you work in investing, correct? Yeah, I work in finance. Yep. In finance. And have you done that for most of your life? Yeah, I graduated. Um, yeah. I graduated college in, in 2008. Um, and it was probably like, you know, maybe the historically the worst time in the history of my business to get a job on Wall Street. <laughs> it's right, um, right, right, right after the crash. Yes. So because of that, you know, when you got a job uh, in that business, you just sort of hung on to it. You, you know, you were happy to, to, you know, be able to finance your, your social life with your buddies. Um, But it, you know, it's a, it's a business I, I, I thoroughly enjoy. Um, But the first couple of years of my career, I was just kind of like trying to stay on the ship. Um, And then I went to business school about five years after, um, after undergrad and, you know, pivoted into, um, the, the area of the business I'm in now, which I've, I've been in for, you know, just over a decade. And has that career been fulfilling or are you, uh, is that, has that been like something that's taken most of your time and, and been your passion? Yeah, I would say, um, my passion, I have a lot of passions. Many of them lie outside of, of my business, but, um, the, the business is, um, tremendously fulfilling from the standpoint that it generally attracts, you know, really, um, unique people like wall street. Yeah. I think sometimes has an unfair reputation for being, you know, we have the stereotypical type of people that come to the business, but when you get to see how the sausage is made, it's, it's really just a melting pot, um, on, on any, you know, really high performing wall street trading floor. There's so many interesting people with so many, 
diverse backgrounds. Um, you well, know, you, I, and you kind of assume that everyone who's working on Wall Street comes from like a finance background in undergrad, but it turns out like I, I just discovered this not that long ago that the second highest major is actually like a liberal arts major going into yeah. going to a, a yeah. investment banking or that sort of more more, right. you know, say, more the many, creative side. Many of the Ivies don't have business schools, so right. you know, and they. Uh, I, I didn't go to an Ivy. I, I went to Villanova University, but um, well, you did from, oh, yeah. from some of the Ivies, right? So um, many of them are you know classics majors or um, just people that are coachable and smart um, can learn exactly, and <laughs> you know can be tenacious and have thick skin and and you know I think the you know. The biggest thing is you have to be coachable. You know, people make mistakes every day. People do amazing things every day. Um, it's it's an environment that's not for everyone, but um, the good firms find the good people. Um, so it's fulfilling from that perspective. Um, but I would say I've made it a bigger part of my um, you know my daily practice and my identity over the past five plus years um, to bring, you know, more of my whole self to work, right? Like- Interesting. Yeah, explain that, what does that mean? Yeah, so I think, you know, if you ask anyone who sits in my trading row, they know that I went to Denver and I did all this, you know, crazy stuff with a 30 pound backpack and mountain- (laughs) Hiking mountains into a 30 pound backpack. Exactly. In the Um, snow. And and, um, for, for me, you know, they probably just, they assume that I do stuff like that, right? Because they know that um, I like to do stuff like that just the same way I like to, you know, play golf and spend time with my kids. Like that that bucket of my life is just kind of part of um, my identity. They know that when I get to work in the morning, I've probably woken up at an hour that most would consider absurdly early to get my, my workout in because um, they know if I don't, you know, have the endorphins going, I may be in a worse mood or I may be like a little, you know, more tired than I would otherwise be, or, you know, maybe said a little bit more eloquently, like a less, you know, ready or complete version of myself, um, you know, ready to attack the day. So go ahead. Yeah. Sorry. You know, we have, we meaning wall street, especially for, for males, you start in the business and you have, um, or you're used to, you have these mirrors of people who are um, more senior to you. Um, and 15 years ago when I started, um, many of them were not fit. You know, they were people that went out four days a week, five days a week. Yeah, big, um, big, big after work uh, dinners and drinks. Yeah, and all that sort they of had thing. two yeah. martinis before they had, you know, the porterhouse for two and a couple bottles <laughs> of nice wine. and. You know, look, there's room for that. Sounds like fun. Yeah. I was going to say there, there's there's plenty of room for that in our business too, and I I'm not um I'm not saying you shouldn't do that. Uh, just like anything else, good. There's you know a balance that should exist because if you do yeah, if, you, if you do that every day, it's going to be trouble, right? There's a cost to that, you know, health wise. There's a cost yeah. to that in terms of um you know for me personally, you know, mental health wise. Um, there's a cost on your time. Um, many people's spouses or partners, um, particularly if, if they themselves work, you know, it, it becomes, you know, unequitable to you kind of run your household that way. Right. Um, so I really just, you know, five plus years ago said to myself, like, I need to be a little bit more judicious about, um, 
the way that I think I'm going to accelerate my career. And it doesn't mean that I have to be at every drinks event first and leave last. And, right. you know, there are ways you can more adequately, you know, or more efficiently attack this goal. And fitness became a huge part of that. You know, I was always someone who would go to the gym. Um, but, you know, when I started on Wall Street, my metabolism let me do whatever I wanted as long as I worked out. You know, it was, it was you know, I kind of laugh about what my diet used to be like compared to what it is now. Um, and, and how old are you now? You, you said you're 36? Yeah. Yeah. So it's starting to change for you. Oh, yeah. 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 I, got, I got bad news. It doesn't get better. I'm at 54 <laughs> and it's, it's uh, <laughs> got to work. Well, I'm trying better. to keep up with you, man. You, you, could, you, you were more than hanging in when we were in Denver. You were, you were kicking ass. No pun intended on the, uh, <laughs> the podcast here. Trying to keep it positive. No, yeah, that's right. I mean, it's kick aspirational. It's all about kicking ass in a positive, uh, you know, inspirational way. But I, but I think to your point, like, you know, in your mid 30s, that's when you kind of have to shift gears if you're going to maintain what you had in your 20s. Otherwise, you know, the catch up's going to be a real bitch, right? Yeah. And look, I think in most careers, um, you know, some may disagree with it in, in my career because there's a lot of different ways to, um, you know, accumulate wealth on Wall Street. But in most careers between call it 35 and 45, that's kind of your your prime those are your yeah. prime earning years, right? right? But they're also your prime years for a lot of other things. Those sure. are your generally your kids are yeah, years. exactly. Those are those are your prime parenting years. And you know, because of that, those are your prime marital years. And you know, you have um the ability you can always there are always ways to create wealth otherwise. You know, you can start a new business, you can, you know, maybe pivot internally at your firm. Um, you can grab, you know, go after promotion. There's always time to do that, but you can't create time to um, relive the other stuff that exists in your life. Right. Um, you can always so make more money. You can't get that time back that passes. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. So um, I think sometimes we're just blinded by the fact that we need to go in the fast lane and do everything that um, makes our career really lucrative and accretive to the other parts of our life. But sometimes, um, you know, you can live with blinders on and not realize that you can make a similar investment in all the other parts of your life, whether it be with friendships, relationships, relationships with your children. And those can actually pay dividends professionally equally, if not more so, um, to catalyze what you want to do in your career. Right. You know, if, you, if you set, if you set boundaries with your team at work, um, it's amazing how people, you know, respond. Like I totally. Well, I, th I think too. Like you, you know, those boundaries help define who you are, right? And I think to your point, you can you can let your work take your whole life if you don't have boundaries, or you can say, you know, it's going to fit in this box for me. I'm going to perform. I'm going to deliver. I'm going to hit my KPIs, my key performance indicators. But it doesn't mean it has to be your whole life, right? You can be efficient at the work that you're doing. Yeah. No, absolutely. The analogy that I like to use is. Um, you know, twofold. Like if you're in on an assault bike and you're really kicking your ass, right? You're giving 110% to that portion of your day, you know, however long you're going to work out for. Right. Great. But if you want to, you know, succeed in your career when you're at your desk, you know, make sure you show up and do that. Right. Yeah. As long as you abide by that social contract or when, you know, you're at your um, daughter's soccer game after work, if you silence your notifications, you're 100% invested in the time you're spending with your your daughter or your family. 
you know, as long as you abide by the social contract that you set with yourself and others, that you're going to be locked in and all in sort of where your feet are in that given moment. Very few people take exception to that, right? Yeah, no, I I think you're right. I think it's in all phases of your life. For sure. I think when you set expectations, then people understand what you're, what you're doing and the, and the expectations there, when there's no expectations, then, you know, your career will take as much as you leave on the table. And the same is true for other parts of your life too. I think, I think the other piece is, you know, if you think about going to work, right. And no one's surprised your wife and your kids aren't surprised that you go to work. I'm assuming every day, um, because the expectation is that's what, that's what we do. Um, and I think to your point, it doesn't mean you have to stay there all night either, right? You can come home right. and be a part of the family as well. Yeah. Yeah. No question. So, so it was, you know, it was, it was funny. And I think that's great, by the way. I think um, you know, I have two sons, I've been married for almost 30 years and it's, it's the same sort of thing. Like, you know, it doesn't happen by accident. You've got to invest just like you got it. Everything has a budget. Everything has a, ha, should have a plan if it's going to, be successful. Otherwise you're just going to end up receiving what people offer you or what, what's left over. Um, and and one of the things we talk about in this podcast a lot is that, you know, if you're tired of just accepting the life that other people are offering, you got to live deliberately. You've got to plan it. You've got to, it doesn't mean it's going to work the way you plan it, but you've got to plan it. You've got to, you know, invest, you've got to budget and you've got to, you've got to manage it. Um, so I think that's, that, that's fantastic. Um, so how did, how do you change, you know, now? So you, you said that you're working out in the mornings. Obviously, it's probably when your kids are asleep and your wife yeah. is asleep. Um, what is your work? Is it, are you doing like an intense hit type workout or workouts like we did when we were at HPLT? Yeah. Look, I try to um, I try to do everything. Like I try to just keep it fresh and, um, you know, save for when I'm training for something specific. Like I, you know, I, the last two years I've, I've run the New York city marathon. So in the months leading up to that, I almost was exclusively running, maybe a little bit of strength training, but honestly, by the end of that, I'm kind of like sick of running and I want (laughs) to get back to doing some other stuff. So I try to, I, I, I've tried a little bit more actively to use the call it first six months of the year to just, you know, kind of work out like a kid, you know, do, you know, play pickup basketball, go for my runs, get on the bike, go for some long rides. Um, Make it fun. Yeah, but like boxing um, has become a big part of my fitness routine that I absolutely love. I could, you know. Like I, in the ring boxing, like you're actually boxing and, or are you doing, are you like a work, a boxing workout? Just with a trainer, you know, like uh, uh, some friends or some clients will do like a two on one with um, this great trainer that we, that we know in the city. And, you know, he, he's probably the hardest working guy in Manhattan. He will train you at any time, honestly. like. Wow. There, there, are, there are mornings where I'm there at 5 a.m. and he has someone before me, believe me. Wow, wow, um, for him. But, By the way, that's an amazing workout. I mean, if people yes. haven't ever, I used to do um, martial arts and, you know, what, you know, people watch a fight and the round seems short, but if you're actually in the ring, whether it's boxing or other types of fighting, the amount of discipline it takes from a breathing perspective, from you know, yeah. managing your energy through through the process, it's it's remarkable. No so, question. But, yeah, we, we continue. I've got a couple events um, coming up through the rest of the year. I'm doing. Um, I've got two triathlons, one out in Montauk that'll just you know be for fun. It's an event that I've always wanted to do. It's an Olympic triathlon. And then, um, and, and for the for the listeners, what's a, what? So there's different types of triathlons, right? Everything sure. from an Ironman to different. 
stages. What's an yeah. Olympic triathlon? Olympic is a mile swim, um, 22 ish bike, and then a 10 K run. Oh, wow. And then yep. in, um, September I'm doing a half Ironman, which is, uh, a 1.2 mile swim. It's like 60 miles on the bike, maybe a little shy of 60 on the bike and then Whoa. run as a half marathon. Wow. That's um, a lot. That's in my backyard here at Jones beach. Um, yeah. So it's, you know, I don't have to get a hotel or fly to Denver to do something crazy. So, you know, it's just right there. Yeah. And then in November, I'll do the New York city marathon again. Um, wow. It's just like, it's almost becoming an annual event for me because if you, if you haven't done it, I, I would recommend it. It's just, uh, as a New Yorker, it's just such a, you know, special day and experience because someone who goes on the New York city subways every day, um, and goes to the city every day, you see a lot of ugly crap, you know, you see yeah. a lot of ugly parts of the New York city character. Um, but if there's one day of the year where you always see New York city's best self and everyone coming together and cheering for strangers and, you know, it's just a great, great vibe that I really think embodies a lot of what people romanticize about New York and its character. It's, it's shown on, on marathon Sunday. So I, you can probably tell the way I'm kind of going on about it. Oh, it, it sounds amazing. What's yeah. the, uh, what's the route that you run in the city? So you start, um, you touch all five boroughs, you start in Staten oh, wow. Island. Um, you know, you're in Staten Island for a very short period of time, but, um, you, you run over the Verrazano bridge and you run eight or so miles through, um, through Brooklyn into Queens over the 59th street bridge, which is like the 16th ish mile, which is, um, you know, notoriously one of the more difficult parts of the race. You're going uphill into your 16th. So you, that's uh, people tend to bonk in that exactly. 16 to 18. And it's also yeah. one of the first parts of the race where there's no crowd noise, you know, oh. you're kind of just alone. <laughs> you're all by yourself bonks. dying yeah. inside. Yeah. Uh, but the payback for that is you come down the bridge and you run up first Avenue all the way up to Harlem and first Avenue is just a wall of people outside, you know, on their 12th mimosa by the time you get to them <laughs> and they're just, you know, they're just they're hundreds, enthusiastic <laughs> hundreds of, you know, hundreds, if not thousands of people just willing to, you know, give their, uh, their loyal energy to you, which is, which is awesome. And then you loop around in the Bronx and you, you pop through the park and finish up by uh, the plaza and the Time Warner Center. Oh, wow. Yeah, right at the yeah. top of Central Park South. Yeah, exactly. That's amazing. Oh, what a beautiful run, too. I mean, it sounds like it's it's a kind of a stunner. Um, I haven't yeah, done a marathon awesome. in a long time, but that sounds like a fun one. It's awesome. I think I just added it to your bucket list there. <laughs> I better start training. What's your, uh, what's if you don't mind me asking, what's your what's the marathon time that you shoot for now? Um, this year, you know, I don't have, um, a lot of expectations to be honest with you. I will, um, a, a goal of mine is to qualify for the Boston marathon. You know, that's kind of like a, a, a lifetime goal of mine, um, whether or not I age into it. Cause as you get older, it's the time slows down a little bit yeah. easier or doesn't make it easier to do it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, this year, like my, my, I try to get one big event on the calendar a year that I really like pour myself into. And this year it'll be the half Ironman. Yeah. Cause I've, I've actually never done a triathlon before. Um, wow. so that's in the last week of September. Um, and what's the New York city marathon? Yeah, sorry. The first week in November. Oh, so a month I'm between. honestly, I'm yeah. going to bank on the fact that I'll be fit enough to do it. You know, I'll keep my fitness throughout yeah. October. I'll just bank on the fact that I'll be able to do it and um, just run it with no expectations. Um, 
and try to have fun. It, it's it's very hard not to have fun. You know, last year I, I was probably as fit as I've ever been in my life. I was ready to run a 305 marathon and um, fell well short of that because it was a historically hot and humid day. And I, um, you know, my coach prepped me before the race. He said, there's, you, you're not going to be able to do this. This isn't going to be your day. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. If you go out too hard, you're going to bonk. And I said, look, if I miss Boston qualified by two seconds or two hours. But what's your, but your qualifying time for Boston is well under 305, isn't it? I mean, it's, well over that. Isn't it like 3.30 or something like that? No, it's, it's 3.05 on the nose. For how? For 36? Yeah. Yeah. Holy crap. Yeah, 30. So when I turn 40, I think I get five extra minutes. Oh, wow. So I, I a long time ago, like literally probably, well, I was in my 20s when I was running that much, like running marathon stuff. And I thought my marathon, my Boston time was like 3.15, but it must have been less than that. It may have just grown so much in popularity since then that they, they don't have a limited number of people. Right. So, yeah. 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 It was a while ago. It was like literally 20, no, it was almost 30 years ago. So and they, they, yeah. they also give out a lot more entries now to pros and semi pros and local, um, because it's a, it's a much, you know, not that it was, wasn't a prominent race back then, but it's just become much more. There's just more people doing it. Yeah. And, and you know, the funny thing is too, is some of the, when, as you get into these, your mid thirties, some of these classes get even more competitive because, you know, people in their twenties are working hard and partying and they're not, that's not what they're doing. But to your point, there's, there's other people like you who, you know, they Correct. decided to give all of a sudden, you know, like, Hey, I can't just keep partying through my thirties. Like I need to yeah. shift gears a little bit. Right. I think that's a, that's a huge thing. Um, and I think, um, I'm, I'm not sure if I have the science right on this, but, um, I'm pretty sure that it's like the prime distance running years for, um, men are like 32 to 42. Yeah. Yeah. You actually, so, a lot of people speed up. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it, with the exception of the folks who ran in college and were sort of always the runners, you know, right. like there's a lot of professional marathoners that start to peak once they hit their late thirties, early forties. Yeah. That's amazing. Well, and it, yeah, it's, uh, I mean, I, I was, I played soccer in university, so I was, and I was a forward, so I was sprinting a lot and running a lot. Um, but running a marathon, you know, that's a that's a different game. I had to get a coach and really learn how to train for it and I'm, all, all the things I'm sure you're doing. But a 3.05, so what's your minute time? What's what's your mile time? Is it like a six-minute mile? That's, ju- that's just like, that's just pretty much seven flat. Oh, seven flat. Okay. Well, that's yeah. not terrible, but pretty quick. That's yeah, awesome. I was actually quite impressed by my coach. You know, I, he, I was, as I started to say, like if I miss Boston qualifying by a second or two hours, like this is a binary event for me. Cause I really <laughs> Either do it or don't do it. Yeah, I really threw myself into the training. He was like, it's going to be too hot. You can't go out that fast. We're going to have to change our plan. I was like, uh, screw that. I'm not, I'm, I'm running as if it's, you know, perfect weather, no humidity. And he was right. I mean, yeah, you, you sweat too much, right? I started to cramp up in, in Brooklyn and I was like, if I, if I walk before I get to the 59th street bridge, I'm introducing like a do not finish into, yeah. I'm not a, I'd still be out there I, before. <laughs> so in Brooklyn, I was a six like, hour no. marathon, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, in Brooklyn, I was just like, you know what? He was dead right. And I got to peel the pace back. And I, you know, I, there, I saw some stuff out there last year. I don't, I don't know how, uh, if you remember the weather, but, you know, I had to call 911 for a guy who passed out in front of me on the bridge. Um, oh. 
there was, you know, people were, people as we got into the later parts of the race, we're just uh, dropping like flies. Yeah. Um, it, it was just kind of a survival mission at that point. How, how, how hot was it again? When How hot did you say it was? Um, it was probably about 80 degrees, 70 okay. degrees. But really humid. Yeah, it was, it was super humid. And, and normally, you know, the New York City Marathon in November, like I did it in 2021 and it was like crisp 48. Oh yeah, perfect. Yeah. Sun, just a beautiful day. And I, you know, I, I, that was the third time I had done it. Um, I've never, you know, you look at the weather, you're like, ah, whatever. I, I trained in the Northeast all summer and I'll be fine. Um, but you're, it's quite challenging. Like a, a friend of mine ran, she ran, um, just about three and a half hours and she ran just such a smart race, very talented runner. And I, anyone who would listen to me on Marathon Sunday, I, just, I said, you don't understand how great of a race that is, all things considered. You know, she didn't bonk. She ran so solid. Um, that's a 730 mile more or less, right? Yeah. 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 So um, That's a pretty quick, that's a good marathon, especially, I mean, women can run really fast, but that's a that's a pretty quick pace for, for a woman. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. And what... Tell me about the working out. Is that, by the way, are you drinking a Nirvana Super? Oh yeah, nice. Look at that. <laughs> I, uh, I'm drinking it. Drinking, drinking an old school Nirvana. Drank through all mine. I'm waiting for a new run that's happening this week. Um, pineapple orange seltzer. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, I'm digging the seltzers. Got to be the HMB. That's great. Yeah. Um, so tell me about why you work out. I mean, obviously, the I would assume you're working out, so you're staying in shape and you're healthier. Um, but I also heard you talk about like the mental wellness or the psychological benefits. And, and I sort of noticed, and, you know, maybe you and I aren't quite in the same category as some of the people who are at HPLT. I mean, I think we're both in decent shape. You're in, probably in better shape than I am, but the, you know, there's some people there who are, it's a full-time job to, oh, yeah. to be in the shape they're in. Why do you work out? Yeah, I, no, I don't have aspirations of ever making a full-time job like some of the folks you're out there with, man. You're not kidding. Um, I saw some amazing, amazing athletes out there. Um, why do I work out? I work out for a couple of reasons. I think um, the primary reason, honestly, is um, I think it sets a good example for my children. And I don't mean that... Um, to say, oh, like my kids all need to be athletes or, you know, sure. it's about I mean. being a lifestyle kind of a thing. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think it's a good medium to show my kids that you can achieve things with hard work or you can set goals for yourself and put a process in place to execute against. Um, if you're consistent and you're committed, um, I think it makes me a better father from the perspective of, I wake up early, I take time for myself, you know, I invest in myself. Um, and then I'm, you know, I give all of myself to my family for the balance of of the day. Um, and it's generally a better version of myself than I would have otherwise been able to contribute if I had if not. If you didn't work out. The yeah. Time. yeah. And it doesn't have to be super hard fitness. You know, I say to people all the time, like, whatever it is that works for you it could be a 20 minute yoga thing in the morning or just getting to walk in outside like honestly whatever you feel adequately invests in you to produce um a great version of yourself that you can show up for the people around you that you really care about 
sure um, is all that matters right and then i think like you know i'm of the view that we all um have a lot to live for so you really ought to spend time doing things that keep you around for a long time and the longevity can be hard and yeah. um you know your cardiovascular system and lifting heavy weights um to preserve muscle mass and testosterone like those are things like we talked about the prime you know earning years or the prime of your life for a bunch of things sure like if you want to draw on you know like another analogy i use sometimes when i talk to people about fitness is like i'm in the prime of my adult life to contribute to this part of my health right now right i'm i'm also like contributing money to my 401k because i want to draw on that probably at the same time that i want to draw on all these like fitness and health contributions. Yeah. And you want to be if able I to don't use to it, right? Hey, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. I can't start, I can't start contributing like six months before I want to retire. Right. It's like, you can't like start working out two weeks before you have to take your shirt off and go on cruising, <laughs> right. Or two exactly. weeks before you go to the doctor, get your blood pressure done. Right. The it's doctor's like, going to know. <laughs> right. Yeah, you so it's your dentist. You can't just floss yeah, the you, day before. Yeah, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. You, you have, you have to make, um, consistent and conscious deposits, um, into that fitness bank and they, they'll pay you over time the same way, you know, your, you know, 401k. Compounds. Hi, this is Dave Vanderveen. And, and this is a little ad for my, one of my favorite brands for Nirvana water sciences, where I happen to be the CEO, but I wanted to share with you why I became the CEO. You know, I, I didn't have to get a new job. I didn't have to come to this company. It was some, a company I've been talking to for over a year before I joined them. Uh, I was, absolutely enamored with their science, with HMB, uh, beta-hydroxy, beta-metabutyrate, which which amplifies protein synthesis. And, you know, I'm 54. The older I get, the more that matters because as we age, you know, as we get past 30, we start losing 5 to 6% of our muscle mass every year. And, you know, I'm a guy who likes to get out there, get active, have adventure. And... I like to, you know, ski powder and, and with helicopters. I like to surf bigger waves. I like to free dive. I, I like to move. I like to run. I like to trail run. Um, I like to hike. And all those things require lean muscle mass. I was, it was funny. I was just talking with a good friend. He's a comedian, Pete Holmes. He has a podcast called You Made It Weird. But he um, he's a great guy. And he's always thinking about things differently. He just had a great podcast with Neil deGrasse Tyson. But um, one of the things, he's, he's never been like... A, you know, he's always been a kind of sort of a comedian and an actor. And I think he was probably more of a theater kid, you know, growing up yeah. um, where I would assume just by looking at you and the way that you, were, you probably were an athlete growing up. Is that, is that fair? Yeah. I, I played everything. Yeah. Yeah. Everything my parents would let me play. I <laughs> Cause it was fun, right? Yeah. You like to compete and all those yeah. sorts of that. Am I getting that right? I mean, you can correct me. Or yeah, tell me actually, you know, my grandmother, God rest her soul. I remember her saying to me so many times as I was growing up, um, you have to be interested in other things, except right. like you have to, <laughs> you, can't just do sports. Or you have to read more books <laughs> and you know, she was right about so many things. I think about it so often because I, I consider myself like I'm a pretty well-read person. I really actually enjoy reading. Yeah. And I'm like, what if I actually listened to my grandmother and like didn't, you know, play on like the fifth AAU basketball team or like <laughs> had to play lacrosse and basketball at the same time or whatever it was. Um, but yeah, I was I was always on a field or, you know. I, I'm also looking behind your shoulder. It looks like you have two degrees behind you. So you must have studied a little bit. Uh, so I, I 
I do happen to have two degrees. Um, but the big diploma behind me is my wife's. Um, <laughs> she went to the University of Virginia. Oh, cool! You be great school like that. You get um, pretty you get fancy a, one. Get a big diploma that's the size of my two. You can't. My my other small one is above the the one <laughs> off to my right. But let's see, uh, original liberal arts college UVA. But you went to Villanova. I was just with. Uh, yes. Okay. Well, let me go back to the Pete Holmes thing. So Pete sure, sure. never really worked out. Um, you know, he likes to go outside and have fun. He likes to hike. And I, I think it's okay for me to talk about this stuff. He talks about it. But somebody recently told him, one of his friends, that if he you know, he's getting closer to my age, he's in his 40s, they're like, if you don't start working out, you're getting to a point where you won't be able to build lean muscle mass anymore. You know, you get to a point like around 50 where it really starts to go downhill. And um, so he's actually working out now. And I think he and I had a business partner that was like this who didn't grow up doing a lot of sports. You know, when you grew up doing a lot of sports as an athlete, you make a connection really early between effort and reward, right? If, if I go work out really hard in practice, I mean, I do some extra work, it's gonna pay dividends on the field and I'm gonna have a better game. I'm gonna feel better about my play. I won't be, you know, puking on the sidelines. I'll be able to stay in longer. There's all these things. So you connect that, that, that distinction. And so when you're working out later in life, you're like, oh yeah, that's the pain that makes me better. Like it's, there's a connection there. I noticed with, with one of my business partners who never really worked out much that he always seemed to hate it. And I was like, dude, this is the fun. Like you embrace it, right? Embrace the suck. This is this is what makes us better. This is what, you know, this is the joy of life. And and I think when you do, there's this whole mental transformation that happens where you really make that connection between the discipline and the and the benefit that maybe you don't otherwise. And I think when you start that early, um, you know, I was lucky to grow up with parents who, you know, really believed in in physical activity, just getting outside and doing things. Um and it was, you know, they were never concerned about us going pro in a sport or anything like that. It was just, you, you, we had six kids and they're like, you gotta be doing things. You gotta be out there. And I think that makes a huge difference. Um, but it sounds like, it, so when, when you're doing that with your kids, cause I, I think that's so critical. And my wife's family too, her dad was an all American uh, cross country star and her mom was jogging in the seventies when nobody knew what jogging was. What did, how did, how did, how, how are you doing that with your kids? What are you, what, how old are your kids and what do you have them up to? Cause they're fairly young, I think, right? Yeah. My oldest will be eight in July. Um, our middle one just turned six and our little guy is just about two and a half. So, oh, wow. like, you know, he, he's all boy. He's just, <laughs> you know, he's, he's kind of like I was, he, you know, he's, he's playing every sport that, that will let him yeah. and he can't sit still, like you can't bring him to anything. <laughs> uh, but the girls, um, they play, you know, basketball, soccer. The town we live in is, you know, lacrosse is religion in our town right. in Manhasset on Long Island. And is that new or was that, was it like that when you were growing up as well? Um, are you from Manhasset? Or you my, from? Wife is, my wife is from Manhasset. Okay. But, um, it's very much a part of the fiber of the town for sure. Um, Manhasset has a very long um and storied lacrosse history, um, which my wife is part of. She, you know, played lacrosse at the University of Virginia and oh, wow. fantastic experience both there and growing up here, learning, sure. learning the game and learning to love it. But um, that, that actually, uh, that brings up a good point um, as a way to answer your question, because in our town, lacrosse is taken so seriously because yeah. it has been. Right. Um, that the kids start very early. Like my, my kindergartner plays lacrosse, which, you know, I didn't start playing lacrosse until I was in fourth grade. Right. Um, which even then people thought was early. Um, but when I was growing up, like most people started playing lacrosse in high school. 
Right. Um, and you've got kids in kindergarten doing quick, quick sticks. Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Okay. So I think um, what we do with our kids is we sign them up for uh, an adequate balance of things that keep them active. And then as they're getting older, um, we sort of let them drive us in the direction of what they actually like to do. Where their passions are. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, you know, they're young still, so that changes with the seasons. Like of course. in basketball season, we were super dialed in on basketball and that was our favorite sport. Now we're in lacrosse season and everyone loves lacrosse. Lacrosse is our favorite sport. Um, but really just, <laughs> I'm not one of these parents that has any um, ambitions for my child as it relates to sports other than to support them if that's what makes them happy. Yeah. Um, and if that is a medium to teach them really important lessons uh, that can take them somewhere in life, the way that sports work for me, great. Um, right. If it becomes more than that uh, for them, I hope, uh, hopefully I'm equipped to help them um, enjoy the great parts of that experience because at some point in time, even, you know, the professional athletes in, in your network, they stop being professional athletes, right? And they have a life to live. Gotta right? live a life, yeah. Um, so I'm much more interested in um, raising good citizens, nice people, um, but people that at the same time are, um, definitely comfortable to stick up for themselves and fight um, for themselves and their opinions and, you know, go after something and be feisty and aggressive and, um, you know, push a little bit when they um, trust their instincts to do so. Um, but I never uh, leave or try to never leave a game and say, you know, you should have done this differently or that. Like the first message to my kids is that I, I just loved watching you play and I can't, yeah. wait, to, can't wait to see the next game. Um, you Do know. You, are, are, you, are you coaching at all? Are you assisting with any of the coaching? So my wife does the coaching because um, smart. she's the That's expert. I'm, I'm the second best athlete in the house. Um, <laughs> the girls are aging, you know, I, I, so I good. Risk. Um, you know, my wife is the true natural. I, I think, you know, hopefully my kids will benefit from this. Any Anything that I've done um, that's even remotely impressive athletically has just been through effort and grit and being the hustle guy. Right. Uh, my wife is a tremendously hard worker, amazing wife and amazing mother. Um, but, you know, she picks up a football and throws a spiral better than I have. <laughs> she's, she's, she's one of those people that's got, you know, she doesn't pick up a golf club for two seasons and her first drive is right down the fairway, you know, wow. kind of just got, the, she's got the natural. Uh, yeah, well, yeah. And, and also I think if you're playing lacrosse or, you know, field hockey or, or any people who play hockey tend to be able to figure out golf a lot faster than people who didn't do stick and ball sports. Sure. Right. Yeah. And I think, um, I think it's the same, you know, people who just do a lot of sports are going to just, they, they tend to know their bodies pretty well and they can yeah. figure out a new sport pretty yeah. easily too. Um, speaking of Villanova, we were just with Kyle Lowry at the, at the Heat's playoff game on oh, Saturday. Okay. okay. Yeah. So, uh, um, you know, he's he one, of your, one of your, one of your, one of your alumni. Yeah. And he is one of my, um, I know he didn't play four years for Villanova, which is. Uh, he played two, I think. And then he went to the NBA, right? Yeah. Um, he, he was one of my favorite Villanova, Villanova basketball players of all time. Villanova is a family school for me. Um, so I've been watching Villanova basketball for the better part of 36 years. And wow. He's definitely up there, um, if not number one in 
you know, my, my Villanova favorites just because, um, we could do a whole separate podcast with Villanova, <laughs> but I think a lot of the culture and success they've had over the last 15, 20 years started with, with him. Um, and the next time you see him, you should ask him, or, you know, you can Google this. There were, he was a freshman when I was a freshman and they beat Kansas at the time. Kansas was ranked number two in the country. Um, Villanova was unranked. Villanova beat him by like 30. And Kyle got thrown out of the game in a, the first half because, you know, he took a swipe at their biggest guy. And wow. he was easily the smallest player on the court. Yeah, he's six feet tall. Yeah. yeah. And I honestly think just kind of the, the chip on the Villanova shoulder from that moment on was persistent. So wow. I credit him with that, you know, not that he needs my validation, but. No, no. Well, you know what? He's an amazing human. Um, it's a great father, great husband. It, you know, a lot of things we're talking about, I think you know, you'd find, I'm not trying to represent Kyle here, but he's just, he's an amazing guy. Very, very active in our business. Um, you know, I, I, I actually reached out. So Chris Williams, who works for us in, um, in marketing and business development, uh, is good friends with Kyle. He, sure. Chris, Chris was a track. I think he's probably about the same age as you too. I don't know if you know big school, but Chris, uh, Chris ran track at Villanova and, um, He's, yeah, he's the same age as you. He's like 36 or so. Um, but he, um, you know, I was asking Chris when he was at Villanova what, what, what he ran and, you know, he was running sort of, um, I think like 800s and, you know, pretty like middle distance sprinting. Yep. And I was asking, so he, he says to me, he goes, hey, you want to go for a run on Sunday morning in Brickell in Miami? And I was like, sure. And I was like, you know, I'm 54, like how fast are you running now? And he goes, oh, no, my, my mile time slowed way down. It's, you know, I can do like a five minute mile now and I'm not doing four minute miles. I'm like, not doing 10, 12 minute miles. So like, you know, we're not trying to, anyways, it's, you know, these amazing athlete, but. Uh, well, track and field at Villanova, it, that's as impressive, if not more impressive than playing basketball. Basketball, there. right? Yeah. Track and field program at Villanova has an incredible history. Yeah, no, he's, I mean, and another great athlete that I get to work with. And, and uh, it's, it's like working out with Layla, right? Layla, our CMO, she's a, she had a, a injured shoulder when she was at HPLT, but. Yeah, but she was still kicking ass, man. I, I oh, was yeah. by, um, you know, the, the, the male athletes there, as you know, we mentioned earlier, were, you know, many were super impressive, but I was impressed by the females who showed up, you know, knowing full well that they would have been in the minority and probably you know, been thrown into situations that physically they were arguably at like a, you know, disadvantage in. Sure. You know, like we walked into that CrossFit gym on the first day. <laughs> I was like, oh man, like, I hope I'm just not the, like the weakest guy here. I hope I can I don't throw up. And yeah, 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 I don't want to throw up. Exactly. Um, but the women were just super, super impressive. Um, really impressive. Yeah. Well, and, and you know, I mean, some of the things we did too, like, what was that mile called? The, the, the worst mile or the hardest mile? The hardest mile, the worst mile. It's like, a, what was it? It was a 400 of burpees, right? Yeah, and 400 then, burpee broad jump, 400 of um, lunge. lunges, yeah. 400 bear crawl. Which I hate. And uh, 400 uh, sprint. 400 sprint, yeah, yeah. which my sprint wasn't that, that fast. That point, you just run as fast as you can, which, <laughs> you know, it looked quite interesting for most of us. But And that wasn't the only thing we did that day. We did, we yeah, did like random mountain that morning. Yeah. We did all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, it's 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 kind of incredible to see the women come out and perform and and, uh, and bury a few of us. It's, it's, it's great to see that. 
Um, yeah, it was that was a great. That was one of the best parts of the experience for me. Not you know, male and female. It was just kind of, um, you know, when you get into a group like that, or, or you, you get into a, a business setting or a social setting. Say it's a cocktail party. It usually takes like twenty minutes to figure out who you have things in common with and what those things are. It could be professional. It could be, but sort of everyone who was on campus at HPLT, you sort of pre-traded all that. You knew that you were all of, you know, a similar elk and that you were signed up and locked and loaded to do something this, you know, kind of insane. It was going to be hard for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And it takes, uh, it takes a special, you know, group of people to sign up for that with a bunch of strangers, quite frankly. Yeah. Um, so I think, you know, once we broke through that kind of first day of school, um, nervous energy in the first 10 minutes or so of meet and greets, um, we were just off, off to the races and the people were just physically incredibly impressive but um you know some of the people i connected with were just really impressive individuals otherwise that um i'm glad to have met yeah i said that to brian i said you know one of the things i mean it's a great event great weekend um the way that they had it set up with all the different sorts of activities whether we're running a mountain with the weights or whether we're jumping in a 30 degree river and doing a sauna or you know just the wide variety of actions and activities was kind of impressive but I told him, I said, you know, what was, was really cool to me was just the quality of the people that you attracted. It's, you know, there weren't any assholes there. At least I didn't yeah. meet any. And which sometimes that might mean that I'm the asshole, but the, you know, but it was, it was, um, it was a great group of like everyone I met. I was like, wow. You know, and, and I even caught myself a few times, like, you know, just I'd meet somebody and I have no idea what they do. And then all of a sudden you find out they're pretty famous on the gram or whatever, for whatever yeah. you know, for what they do. And, it's just kind of fun to discover who everybody was and what they're, why they were there and, and, and what it all meant. Um, you know, it's funny, we were talking about your kids, the, uh, I have the same kind of thing. I have two kids, they're 29 and 20, uh, almost 26, but, um, so they're a little older, but the, uh, the thing when, when they were growing up, we were living you know, mostly in Laguna beach and, you know, I, I played soccer, they played soccer. We did different, you know, and I said to him, look, you know, let's do AYSO, which is, any kid can play. If you really love it and you want to play club, I'll, I'll back you. But if you don't, that's totally cool too. And we got them on surf team. We got them in tennis and some other things. And, um, you know, the best thing was um, they picked, they ended up picking surfing as the thing that they really like to do, which I really like to do too. Awesome. And so every morning you're like getting up early, you're going with your kids to the beach to get in the water and, you know, have surf practice. And, and it's just, it was such a great way to start the day with the kids. Cause you're, you know, maybe they don't want to get up. You don't want to get up either, but you do it and you get down there and you have a conversation in the car and a conversation on the way back. And later I coach soccer. It's the same sort of thing. I pick up a bunch of kids at middle school and, you know, they don't think you can hear them when you're driving and you hear everything that's going on. And it's just, it's kind of amazing. Like you become a better parent just by participating. It's, it's really cool that way. Yeah. I think it's like anything else, right? You have to, um, you can't selectively, participate in anything that you think you're going to be any good at, um, or anything that's going to fulfill you. Right. Um, you have to invest your time and yourself in it and parenting is no different. Um, your kids actually will be a really, um, quick governing mechanism for how good of a job you're doing. Um, you get graded every day. <laughs> some, yeah. Sometimes it's quite unfair, you know, but, um, if you're around them enough and, and, you know, you make an effort to do things, you know, like Mike, when we had two kids under two, like I was at the point of my wall street career where like I was 
really out four nights a week trying to, you know, get to go up the, up, yeah, 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 up the ladder. Um, luckily, like my kids weren't necessarily old enough to notice that I was doing that. Um, yeah. But my wife certainly, certainly did that, you know, some weeks she's like, oh, it's your schedule or whatever. But now when I try to be a little bit more equitable and balance, you know, the social events I need to be at versus the ones for work that I, you know, so optional ones that I need to be at versus the social ones I'd like to be at. Um, your kids respond to it for sure. Um, yeah. At least, at least I found mine do. And, um, it's something that, you know, for as long as they'll let me, I'll, I'll make a part of, of their life because like I said, they're, they'll grade you every day. And when they give you good grades, you know, there's, there's very few things that, uh, that feel better than that. How did you and your wife meet? My wife and I met in Manhattan um, shortly after we both graduated um, through mutual friends. She, um, you know, had grown up um, knowing a college roommate of mine and who became the best man at our wedding um, and is still one of my best friends <laughs> to this day. Um, it's not Todd, though. What's that? It's not Todd, though. Not Todd. No, not Todd. <laughs> um, they, um, they knew each other growing up in the summers out east and just we kind of rolled around in the same crew um in the city and it was you know um there's there's probably a version of the story that she would elaborate on that you know <laughs> we'll leave for the uh for later for episode two or you know <laughs> for the next time i see you over a beer or drink. Yeah, but good. uh that's kind of that's the that's the short story and um you know i'm, I'm very lucky that's great. And is she, does she work or is she mostly spending her time raising the children? She's, um, she has the hardest job ever. She, she's, she's a full-time mom. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, it's, you know, I worked from home today just cause we had something going on personally. And you know, the, I have, I have an office here in our house, but just out, out here is, you know, our kitchen and the conversations I heard being had between, you know, waking up and when everyone got on the bus were, far more stressful and, and passing than the ones I would have had if I was in the office. So well, there's a lot of people who work as an escape for, right? It gets, yeah, it gets them right. out of the home. That's right. Um, oh, that's fascinating. She, she donates a lot of time to, um, you know, their, um, their sports schedules and, um, she's, you know, our, our kids have just gotten old enough for, she, you know, has started to have more time to do this where she volunteers in town, um, as you know, part of the, the, the board for the lacrosse program that's run and you know she does things for some of the older the older uh girls lacrosse teams um and i you know i witnessed that it you know is fulfilling to her to get back because lacrosse was such a big part of her life that um she really you know enjoys experiencing with her kids and experiencing with our community so it's cool to see that's fantastic so what kind of what kind of long-range goals do you guys have i mean this is I know you're right in the middle of probably the busiest time of your life where you've got more yeah. Indians than chiefs and, you know, at least one in diapers. And you, I mean, it sounds like probably just one in diapers, but you, you got a lot going on. What's uh, what do you guys talk about? What do you think about what's the future? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think about it a lot and, you know, I don't know that we talk about it enough now that you, um, now that you, you know, ask it so directly, but I would say, the life that I would envision us living um, looks a lot like it does now where we um, when I, and when I say that I mean we're uh, we're a part of a household that um, 
loves one another, respects one another, um, respects our community and, and is just, you know, super fortunate to have great family and friends. Um, so much so that the friends intersect with the family, um, given how close we are um, with them. And then I, I, you know, would like us to, um, you know, get to a point where career-wise, all the all the passions that I have outside of the office, um, in some way, intersect with the things I do in the office. And in many ways, they do now because they kind of coexist together. But you know, the way that I view the world is, um, you know, like in the beginning of the last century, like the flu and like, you know pneumonia killed a lot of people sure sure and most people didn't leave to live to be 50 right exactly like we solved for that with drugs and and advancements in the pharmaceutical industry sure the stuff that kills people now is like really long tail slow death type stuff right like heart disease and diabetes and obesity i am witnessing like people like my age and younger like certainly the younger people i work with sure they live their lives distinctly different than I did when I moved to the city and had my own money to spend at bars. Right. Um, so I think society is starting to correct for the things that are killing a lot of the population, unfortunately, now. The right. same way it did in the beginning part of the last century when, you know, we needed better medication for pneumonia and the flu, right? <laughs> right, right, right. Um, so anyway, long way of saying, like, I think there's a generation of people below me and probably a little bit below them or younger than them that are, you know, aging into maturity with the knowledge of like, being healthy is not uncool. Like, right. so I think- You're seeing these trends, right? Not drinking a lot less, not smoking. Yeah. All the, like when I was in my twenties, everybody smoked, yeah. everybody drank. I think that's another great analogy, right? Yeah. No one really smokes anymore. Uh, or, you know, socially smokes anymore outside of bars. It's few and far between. So I think there's like a growing um, population of people that have appetite to consume um, a wider offering of products and brands and services that cater to wanting to live that type of life. Um, So longer term, you know, I'd love to just make that um, a bigger part of my, you know, professional and personal life. And you know, sort of what that looks like. Um, I don't know yet, but What's I that? do know that if I don't spend time thinking about it and learning about it and connecting with people like you and others at HPLT now, um, it it becoming a bigger part of my life 10, 15 years from now um, won't happen if I don't, you know, start to do that. No, it's, I think that's the right, that's a, that's a good answer. You know, the, um, somebody asked me like 20 years ago in some interview what, what I was gonna be doing in 20 years and I said, yeah, I'm not really sure, um, but I can tell you it'll probably revolve around it'll revolve around my family, uh, getting in the ocean, um, doing some kind of physical activity every day, and probably have some entrepreneurial characteristic to it because those are the things that I do, you know. Yeah. And and I think to your point, the other thing is what I sort of worked towards as well was okay, maybe when I was younger, those were three disconnected spheres in a way, right? There was my family life, my work life, and my fun life. And as I got older, I just sort of intentionally tried to get them to to be intersecting more. Didn't mean that they were, it wasn't like one circle, right? but it was like three circles that had overlaps and connection points. And, you know, you build a lifestyle brand, it tends to be the lifestyle brand you want to live, right? And yeah. hopefully other people want that too. Otherwise you won't have anything to sell to anybody, but. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. I think, that, I think that's super well said around branding. You know, like 
I think people um, mistake, you know, the word brand for <clears throat> only being associated with a product or something that's in supply. But we have the opportunity to, you know, create and and furnish and and grow and invest in our own personal brand every single day. Um, and it's just a question of, you know, like I have my notebook in front of me here from from today because I work from home. But you know, there's there's four quadrants on it um, most days, and I try to at the end of the day or the beginning of of the next day, just do an audit. Like, did I did I contribute? um to each of these and if i didn't I, I might not have had time or i might make time for one of them this weekend but it's a good governor to say like okay these are the four things that like generally you know matter right like my family like my future my actual career and my fitness like all of those things if i can solve for all of those things optimally the way i want to i think a lot of great things will you know happen for me um, in my life and I'll be super, and, and I define that by just being super personally fulfilled and, you know, living a healthy, happy life. I don't mean any, you know, having anything to do with, you know, money or, or success, uh, in that, in that regard. Um, but I think like, you're just accountable to your own brand yourself. Like, like I don't like walk around showing this to people or right? like, no, yeah, it's, it's for your own self betterment. Yeah. yeah. And, um, it's a really easy way to like identify if you haven't, you know, filled the family bucket in a while. Like maybe I had three work dinners this week and I didn't get to, you know, hang with the kids as much. Okay. Like that's a great opportunity to over index on the kids this weekend. Um, sure. Whatever it is. Right. Like maybe, you know, give your wife the night off and, you know, just spend a ton of time with them while she reads her book or something. It, like sure. it's, it's not uh, anything more elaborate than, than that. But anyway, long way of saying like, if you're happy with that as your personal brand, like that's cool. You'll be a happy person. Um, you know, it doesn't have to make sense to anybody else except for you. No. And I, I don't think, you know, sometimes when I ask that question, it gets a little misconstrued that I'm asking about some big grand destination. And I think I, I'm actually, I, I'm a big fan of Jim Collins, who's written some great business books, but he also wrote books that you can apply to your life. And a, a big part of what he talks about is when you live your values. Yeah. Um, it's not necessarily about some destination in the future. It's about what you're doing today. And if you have mechanisms that are kind of constantly tweaking you towards your values, towards the things that matter, whatever they are, yep. you wake up one morning, you won't change anything because you've accomplished the ultimate life, the life that you wanted. Um, but he also says you kind of got to be careful because make sure it's the one you want because you're going to end up there one way or the other. Um, just make sure you're living your values and not somebody else's so you don't end up 20 years from now being like, why the hell am I here? Yeah, it's um, tough because, you know, we live in a, a hyper visible society now where um everyone's values and you know you know sort of belief systems are on display at all times you know we live on the internet right um yeah so it's tough to you know sort of maintain what matters to you when you may or may not be getting pulled in 18 different directions by your instagram or your twitter feed um but look, I think those two things are, you know, social media in general has a very relevant and um, important part in the way we live our lives, just like anything else good that's happened in society and the history of, you know, humanity. Um, it'll break first before someone figures out the right model for it and how it can actually be beneficial. You know, we're yeah. just probably part of the society that's going to break it. 
Yeah. And I think, you know, look, it's a tool. Tools can be abused and they can be used for, for good too. And I think it's up to us as humans to figure out how to use it for good, right? Humans are yeah. capable of the worst evil and the greatest good and let's focus on what we want. Yeah. Um, this has been really great. Luke, I'm so happy that we had this conversation. Thank you for yeah. making time. Thank you for taking time away from from Me your too. family and, uh, and all the other things you have to do to have it. I really, really sincerely appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for, um, you know, it was, it was great to meet and great to connect in Denver and I'm, you know, super glad to have done this and really enjoyed our conversation and, um, you know, certainly rooting for and following the brand and, uh, hopefully, you know, I listened to some of these podcasts as I was preparing, uh, or some of the <laughs> podcasts as I was preparing. And I think like the people you had on me, like, before me, the you had the special forces guy on, which I listened to when I was working out. Don Troxel, yeah, yeah. And before that, you had Patrick Willis. So I don't know how I got through the filter, um, but the other guy, I was I was afraid that I was you know had such tough acts to follow. But anyway, been following the pod you know, since you've asked to have me on, and it's awesome. So keep rocking. Yeah, no, this this podcast has a wide range of people. It's not, you don't have to be particularly famous. It's what I'm looking for, people who are on a journey and are trying to live deliberately. And because I think, you know, one, there's some people who've accomplished, you know, things that they're famous for. And there's other, a lot of us are just living our lives and, and doing it in a way that, you know, is intentional. And I think that's sometimes even more inspiring than, you know, listening to somebody who yeah. you can't really relate to as well. So this is, this has been really good. I think when I, I think when I reached out to you and said, Hey, you know, what should I prep for? It was after you guys had discussed him, you know, taking down Noriega. And I, was like, <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know how I'm going to relate to that. But, um, anyway, hopefully I gave you some good content here and, you know, great. To was, and we'll it's amazing. Last question. I, I always like to ask this. I forgot to ask it. Um, have you learned more historically from your successes or your failures? Failures, easily. Yeah, it's not even close. Like, uh, I, I, the business school I wanted to get into um, it wasn't even a wait list. It was a flat out rejection. <laughs> you know? um, Villanova um, was, while well, it was a family school for me, like, it was, um, you know, they barely let me in there, too. Uh, <laughs> The it um, makes you feel better. I got kicked out of college, so yeah, it makes you feel a lot better, actually. Um, you know, the list goes on, but it, it's you know, cliches have staying power, that's why they're cliches, right? People always learn more from, from when they you know fail and have to get up. Um, but I don't think that should discount anyone celebrating or learning from their success because you can certainly, um, you know, learn a lot from you know, succeeding, like, you know, another, we kind of touched on this earlier, another reason why I spent a lot of time working out or, or putting a big goal on the calendar every year is I know that that's a transferable um, process, right? If I right. put this goal down, I execute against it and I succeed, I've now learned how to, you know, overcome a hard obstacle and I can overlay that to almost anything else in my life. Um, so I don't mean to, you know, discount the success. That's a, you know, noble part of any pursuit, but sure, I'm a big learn from failure guy. No, same. I think that's the answer I tend to get. I like to hear different people's takes on it. The, uh, I mean, look, we're all playing to win and when winning is uh, you know, a form of success, but I think to your point, we learn the most when we fail, if we're willing yeah. to pay attention to it and, and, uh, and, you know, find, 
find the the opportunity to learn there. So that's I said to my boxing coach recently, people make the baseball analogy a lot that if you hit like, you know, 300, you're in the hall of fame, you know, we we're doing this drill that was particularly challenging. And he was like, who cares? Mayweather only lands like 15 or 20% of his punches. Right. Best ever. Isn't that crazy? And I was like, I'm going to use that. I'm going to start using that instead of the baseball analogy. Yeah. Um, so there you have it. This was my first opportunity. Perfect. Perfect. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate it, Luke. And uh, yeah. we'll stay in touch. Are you going to, are you going to be in Montauk at the HPLT? So, HPLT in Montauk is my 10th wedding anniversary, so I will not be there. <laughs> Good but idea. I'm definitely going to do, uh, I'll definitely be at an HPLT in, uh, in 2024. Um, but if, you know, next time you're in New York, don't be a stranger. We'll do something cool. No, I'll hit you up. That'll be awesome. All Thanks right, a ton, Luke. Appreciate it. Thank you for joining another episode of the Kick Aspirational Podcast. You know, the most important thing to remember is this is not a spectator sport. What I'm deeply interested in is hearing about your stories and answering your questions. What does your life look like? What are you trying to accomplish? What are the barriers that you're trying to break through? Because at the end of the day, the Kick Aspirational Podcast is about helping people break through barriers of their own. I'd love to hear what you're working on. I'd love to join you in your battles. And most importantly, whatever you do today, please, among all other things, be Kick Aspirational.